Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. You can grab a seat. I need to start preaching because I've got to warn you. Um, we haven't been here this year, Ange and I, um, at all. Uh, and so I've got uh, like a, a year's worth of messages stored up within me. Maybe not sermons, but energy. Is that all right? Just, um, we've missed you guys. We haven't been able to come for obvious reasons. There's been a lot happening. Well, some things happening. I'm not sure what they were, but some, some things in 2022. Um, but it is good to be with you. And I want to start this morning by asking you a question, and this is your chance to be honest today. How many people suffer from motion sickness? How many? Come on, hands up high if you, if you get sick. Motion sickness. Okay, awesome. I get sick on merry-go-rounds after one spin. Um, I'm that guy. Uh, if I go out on a, a glass lake and there's not a ripple, I'm, si- I'm sick. I'm motion sick. Just the thought of being there makes me sick. And um, in 2001, Angela and I went on our first big overseas trip as a married couple. We'd been married for just, just over a year. And uh, we were on our way to LA, but we had a stopover in Auckland. And we had this great idea for someone that gets motion sick. Let's go to Rainbow's End, and, uh, which is like a theme park, and let's go on the rides. And um, it must have been Angela's idea, because Angela doesn't suffer from motion sickness at all. So I went on the roller coaster. It's only about 45 seconds long. Uh, how many people have ridden that roller coaster? It doesn't, doesn't go for very long. After about five seconds, I was doing this, trying to hold in what I just had for lunch. I'm feeling really sick. And when I got off, you, you know the kind of sick where you get off and you're like, and I was doing that for about 20 minutes. And I literally, I literally did this at Rainbow's End and everybody's feet had been there. I kissed, I, big kiss on the ground. I will never ride a roller coaster ever again in my life. It was that horrendous. Uh, for me, and some of you are going, I love roller coasters. But I want to say this that life is a roller coaster for people right now. And, and as much as it's extreme, what I just explained, I feel like there are a lot of people in the world who would say, I'm feeling pretty motion sick by the world that I'm a part of right now. Life's so full of so many ups and downs. It's like riding a roller coaster, it's kind of topsy turvy and it's unsettling. And if you've ever had motion sickness, you'll know that after motion sickness comes fatigue. There's this onset of tiredness. It's like, oh man, I did everything I could not, not to lose my lunch, and now I feel fatigued. And I feel like the world is a little bit like that. There's a tiredness that is set in on people because of the ups and down, up and down nature of the world that we're a part of. Socially, economically, there are so many issues, so much dialogue about how bad things are or how bad things are likely to get into the future. If you're listening to the public discourse or you're listening to the media, or you're looking with eyes to see, you can see that most of what is being spoken about at the moment is doom and gloom. Like fear the world, fear what's coming, fear what's been, but fear what's coming. And so people are feeling pretty unsettled about this world that they're a part of. So I ask you this question, how motion sick do you feel living in this world right now? See, in the natural right now, we're in what we call a winter season. It's dark when you leave for work, and it's most likely dark when you come home from work. It's cold, it's wet, it's grey, it's gloomy, and for many, the winter season is just a little bit blah. And if you're looking for a title for my message today, the title is, it's just a little bit blah. (laughs) But some people love winter. Have I got any friends out there, you love skiing and snowboarding? Any weirdos? (laughs) Just joking. joking. I'm not a skier, obviously. And uh, these people that love skiing and love snowboarding, some people love the winter. So there are moments where winter can be amazing. But on the whole, for most people, winter day-to-day is survival mode. We're just trying to get through and maybe wait for spring and summer to arrive. Have I got any honest friends in the room? 
Spring followed by summer is when things seem to get a bit easier. Gardens grow again. The days get longer. The days get warmer. People have more energy, and people seem to come out of what we call hibernation. And if you come to some of our church attendants at the moment and have a look at it, we're hoping some more people will soon come out of hibernation, and so are churches all over our city. So as I survey things as they stand right now, although the winter can be beautiful in moments, it's dark, it's cold, and it's survival for many. Add in the challenges people are facing in life and the fear that people are receiving from the daily news, and you have a recipe for people just to feel a little bit flat, pretty tired, and even maybe a bit down. And you could argue that this entire year, or the last few years, maybe have felt a little bit like winter. Not a lot growing, not a lot exciting, but more like survival. Even the business sector has had difficulties. People are not out spending, people are not gathering like they once were. And even in the church, our gathering sizes have been about half of what they were pre-lockdown, particularly at our La Vida campus. Many choosing not to be around crowds, and I get it, I understand, and, and there are a number of other reasons why people are choosing not to gather. So what's the good news this morning that you came to give us, Carl? Here's the good news, and it's really simple. This too shall pass. Seasons come and seasons go, and eventually the roller coaster will end. I don't know how long it is. I pray it's 45 seconds only. But it will pass at some point, and the effects of having been on this roller coaster will pass at some point. Now, listen, I like summer. I prefer the beach or the lakes over the ski fields. I like longer days, and I love barbecues, perhaps because that's all I can cook, but I love them. I don't like the winter. I can acknowledge its beauty, but this last season that I'm calling winter, I haven't enjoyed it a whole lot. I feel like much of this year, people have just literally, myself included, been in some form of surviving. I want action. I want liveliness. I want vision. I want energy. I want things happening. And if you know me, that's true. I like stuff to be going on. However, as my mentor told me a little over a week ago, he said, no matter how challenging winter is, you cannot make it into summer. And when he said it to me, it was profound for me. In other words, you cannot just decide that winter is now going to be summer just because you don't like winter because winter has a purpose. And just because you don't like it doesn't mean you have to face it. You have to face it and you can't make it into summer. In other words, if you go out sunbathing in minus two degrees, you're not going to get a tan. You're more likely to get hypothermia. No one's at the nudist beaches in the winter. Don't know how I know that, but I'm just assuming no one's, no one's there. See, winter has a purpose, and you need to walk through seasons that you find even just a little bit blah. In winter, seeds are sitting below the soil. In other words, we don't see a lot of fruitfulness right now. Even seeds are lying dormant in the soil, but hey, here's the encouragement. There is seed in the ground that is waiting for spring and waiting for summer to burst forth with life and something beautiful, but we have to wait for the winter season to do its job. The seeds are germinating to bring forth new life and growth. But see, all I want is fruitfulness and not the process. That's not how it works. Just like you don't start being paid dividends for investments you've made before you've invested. So today I want to have a look at the book of Habakkuk and to find out what is the correct response during winter seasons, when life is not how we want it to be, when life's not going as easy as we would like it and things don't feel 
incredibly fruitful like they once were, or it feels like it's winter, then how should we respond in those moments? Habakkuk is one of the 12 minor prophets found in the Old Testament, and I like this guy, and I'll explain why in a minute. It's set against the background of the decline and the fall of the Judean kingdom. The Babylon Empire had now risen up to be a real power. In other words, it was a real threat. And the period of prosperity and ease of living that the people of Judah had enjoyed under King Josiah was about to come to an end. Their season of flourishing, their season of comfort, their season of ease of lifestyle was now departing them. The local news was reporting doom and gloom in the Judean kingdom. So the conditions of life for Habakkuk would have gone from excellent with considerable material prosperity and even the promise of spiritual revival to the height of desperation as he saw his freedoms and that of the people disappearing under the siege and the violence of Babylon. Now, the uniqueness of this guy, and I like him, that we read in Habakkuk is much of what you read in chapter 1 and 2 of Habakkuk is him speaking to God on behalf of the people. And what we know of prophets is normally they're God's voice to the people, but we find in the first two chapters, this is recordings of what Habakkuk said to God and how he complained. Habakkuk having a good old school whinge at God. Anybody thankful that Habakkuk's in the Bible? Like when I found Habakkuk, I was like, finally there's a guy that I can relate to in the season that we're in. He was quite happy to tell God how he felt things were going. I wonder how many of us can relate to Habakkuk over the last few years. God, I'm just going to let you know how the state of things are here on the earth. In case you've missed it somehow, God, you need to know how bad it is for the righteous on the earth. This is Habakkuk's heart. God, you've you got to know, like, are you missing what's kind of happening in the world? And he told God that violence and law-breaking abound and the sinful seem to at least superficially be winning. Sound like Habakkuk could be writing these words today over the state of our nation. Is violence and law-breaking on the rise? Does it seem at times like evil even is thriving? You see, what had happened to Habakkuk was that he had watched people breaking covenant with God. People who once had a covenant relationship with God were breaking that covenant, and yet God had seemed to be quiet, and there seemed to be no, no consequences for those who were now breaking covenant with God, and Habakkuk is watching this and getting frustration. Uh, frustrated. There's like the strong justice vibe that's coming through in Habakkuk. Anyone know what I mean? We, we call it in our family policemen that likes to police everything. That's me, if you're wondering, in our family. <laughs> if you drive with me in the car, I'll police every single person. I don't know if Jeremy Kent is here today, but I'll, if I could just pull a few people over and put them straight. It's probably why it's good I'm not a police. But he's got the strong justice vibe. God, this is just plain not right. That these people breaking covenant with you seem to just be cruising through life. Anyone else like to remind God of our perceived injustices? Right, yeah. How can these people that are so opposed to you, God, seem to have such a great life? But see, the godlessness had meant an increase in violence and law-breaking. And in Habakkuk's mind, God should have risen up to correct it. In fact, Yahweh, the great I Am, should be doing something about the state of our world. He was despondent, and he was left questioning God. That's why I love that we have the book of Habakkuk. Can I just say this to you? God's not afraid of your questions. God's not afraid of your big questions. As long as your questions draw you closer to him for your answers. He's not afraid of some of the challenges and some of the frustrations that you're sharing with him and some of the questions you have of him, but he wants it to draw you closer to him. For Habakkuk, 
How could God seemingly be ignoring the prayers of the righteous? Like, come on, God, we're praying. Anyone else feel like this in our day? Lord, we, we are praying for something to turn around. We are praying for revival. We are praying for breakthrough. We are praying that the name that would be famous in our world would not be a, a government or a party or a church label, but would be the name of Jesus. Come on, we're praying. The righteous are praying and asking God. And Habakkuk's going, come on, where's God answering the prayers of the righteous? And there are many people today questioning, God, why are you not seemingly answering the prayers of the righteous? And the mindset can very quickly become that somehow because things are bad right now, that God's global redemptive plans are somehow threatened. Habakkuk was worried that somehow God had become complacent toward tolerating evil in his generation. But God is not afraid of the tough seasons. God's not afraid of the difficult winter seasons. In fact, God never wastes a season in our lives. And, And in here lies a warning for us. There are times where we want to bunker down and just survive a season. And winter can be like that. And God's going, don't waste the season that I've given you right now. Because in winter, there is something happening below the surface, below what people can see that will eventually break forth into fruitfulness. But don't waste your season. Don't just pray that your season will be over. Because in difficult seasons, we are taught resilience and we are taught perseverance. And we are reminded, and this is important, that we are not in control of the universe or the center of it. And that's important for us to understand. God is in control. And our response to God is that we trust in you in the midst of it all. Habakkuk was never told as a prophet when it would end or when it would get better. Don't we want to know? Don't we want God just to tell us, hey, there's an end date, it's coming, hang in there, it's okay, because it's going to... On August 28th, it's all going to change. I think we'd probably all do all right if God said, hey, there's revival coming August 28th. So just hang tough. Well, Habakkuk had no idea when this plan would come to pass, but he needed to trust in God's redemptive plan. In one of God's replies to Habakkuk's complaints, we read Habakkuk 2, verse 2 to 4. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by faithfulness. The reality is that God is in control and that God does have a plan. And while difficulties may linger... In other words, there's going to take perseverance and patience and an ability to wait for God to execute His plan. We must have hearts that say, God, we trust in your redemptive plan. And our job is to remain faithful. So the enemy right now is puffed up. Church family, I would say that right now we have an enemy that is puffed up. He is puffed up to our message, to our values, to our beliefs. He's puffed up with pride and his desires are not upright. And we wonder, what will God do and when will God do it? But our response is simply to trust God's plan even in the midst of delay. And as is righteous, we live by our faithfulness. See, faithfulness in the end will always produce fruitfulness. So God is simply saying when the seasons are challenging and the seasons are difficult, there are two key things. Love God. And stay faithful. 
And faithfulness will always, in the end, lead to fruitfulness. Faithfulness is seed in the ground. What do I mean? In other words, maybe I've got a loved one who doesn't know Jesus, and I'm praying for salvation. And I'm praying prayers like, Holy Spirit, illuminate the truth of Jesus in their hearts and awaken them to their need of a Savior, and I'm praying. There are stories of people who have prayed for 30 and 40 and 50 years, and then people have got saved. That's what I mean by faithfulness, even when we don't see any fruitfulness. We don't quit. We keep praying, and we keep believing in faithfulness. And as we do it, seed is sown into the soil that leads to great fruitfulness. Knowing that winter is about to end and spring is around the corner. We see in Hebrews 10, God's response to Habakkuk is actually referenced. In fact, right throughout the New Testament, Habakkuk is referenced numerous times. But here we see in Hebrews 10, 36 to 39, because it's good for us to come to the New Testament and recognize that Habakkuk was prophesying of what was to come, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10, 36 to 39, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what has, he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, and here's a key quote, but my righteous one will live by faith, not by sight, by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Here we see the writer of Hebrews is reminding us that the answer to the troubles that Habakkuk was facing was the promise of a saviour. And here's the great news. We're living in the fulfillment of that promise today because Jesus did come and he did die on the cross and he did rise again victorious, conquering sin and death and overcoming the grave and making us right with God. It's happened and the promise has been fulfilled. Jesus has come. He's defeated sin. and We've been received as children of God. Our response, however, is no different today than it's ever been. It's why this theme of faithfulness runs right throughout Scripture. We live by faith, and we don't shrink back. Come on, your circumstances want you to shrink back, but we live by faith. In other words, we stand our ground. We don't back up. We don't shrink back. We don't turn away. We stand strong in our faith and faithfulness to God. We don't allow our circumstances to dictate to us if God is good or God is for us. We allow the truth of who God is, who we know God to be, to make sure that we stand faithful to who He is. God is good all of the time. Your circumstances are not the truth indicator of whether God is good or not. No matter how difficult the seasons get, and I know I'm speaking to people who have walked through really difficult seasons. No matter how challenging life might be, no matter how dark or cold it might appear, we do not give up. We do not shrink back, but we persevere in faith and we trust God completely. Habakkuk is quoted throughout the New Testament, the righteous live by faith. The word faith in Habakkuk is actually translated faithfulness. We remain faithful in every season, no matter what it is we're facing. In the fruitful seasons, we remain faithful. In the seemingly fruitless seasons of life, we remain faithful and we don't shrink back. Come on, I'm reminding my own soul of this today. Come on, Carl, don't shrink back. We don't belong to those, the Bible says, that shrink back in any season, but to those who remain faithful to God and persevere in every season and every trial. Just like Habakkuk, we often get trapped in our here and now mindset. 
The here and now is not very good. And the truth is, for many, the here and now is not very good. Yet we must remind ourselves that we have eternal hope. We have to get beyond the doom and gloom of the here and now. Know our season. Come on, be honest about what we're facing. There's no problem with that. But let's not get camped in only the here and now when we've been given eternal hope. When we've been given a promise in Christ that we know to be true, then we cannot allow ourselves to be trapped in only the here and now. See, the enemy would love us to only see what's happening right here on the earth right now. But God's reminding his church globally right now. Come on, remember the eternal hope that you've got. Look beyond the circumstances of the here and now. But Habakkuk had become trapped in only the here and now. And so his complaints were very much based only in what was happening in the moment. The here and now struggles we each face can lure us to a place that can get pretty negative and lack hope. It can feel pretty doom and gloom, dark and fruitless. So I remind you of Psalm 121, verse 1 to 2 today. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We are reminded to look up and see that God actually is in control, that he's bigger than your here and now. And I prophesy that over you. God is bigger than your here and now. Whatever it is that you are facing, whatever it is that you might be walking through in your life, remember the eternal. Remember God is sovereign. Remember God is in control. Remember he's bigger than whatever it is that you're facing right now. He holds the universe in the palm of his hands. And he is continuing to work out his plan across the earth. And we need not fear what we are facing, but to live by faith in him. Persevere and wait for him. I have myself had to be reminded of this time and time again throughout the years of my new life in Christ. I was radically saved out of destruction and ultimately death. Many of you know this. And Christ reached my heart in the last days of my depression. And I'm talking last days of my depression. If it was not for Jesus' intervention and the Holy Spirit's awakening my heart and good people journeying with me through slow transformation, where would I be today? Where would you be today if it wasn't for Jesus? Yeah, you might be walking through some stuff, but where would you be without your Savior Christ and the promise of eternity. Although the journey of transformation and the facing of my pain was incredibly difficult, and I know that is also many of your stories as well, I did not shrink back, but remain steady in my faith. Stand your ground against the here and now and what you're facing, and don't shrink back. Because of Jesus, I had hope beyond my present suffering and present trials. Because of Jesus, you have always got hope Beyond your here and now, as painful as the here and now may be for some, you will always have hope beyond the here and now. Let's not just camp in the difficulties of life, but let's remember and remind ourselves and our souls what Jesus Christ has done for us. In eternity, where all pain, all tears, all weeping, all of it will stop and be over. Whatever you're facing today, don't allow your circumstances to cause you to shrink back. Hold fast to faith. Lift up your eyes beyond the darkness of the days we are in. And remember, we are victorious in Jesus Christ. I don't want my days to be defined by challenges, but by my faithfulness in the midst of challenges to produce fruitfulness. My day, each individual day that God has given me on the earth, shall be defined by my worship of the one who is worthy, not by my difficulties. And that's the posture of us as believers. 
I want my day to be defined by my worship of the one who is worthy, not defined by the circumstances I face. So how do we do that? And I've got to go pretty quickly. Let's finish today in Habakkuk. The context of this impending invasion makes Habakkuk's response to God actually really cool in chapter 3. And I'll let you read the whole thing sometime because I can only pick up a piece of it. He says this, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my body and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. In other words, he's saying things are so difficult, I'm battling to the point of trembling, to the point of quivering. My heart is pounding and my body is in decay, so I've had to wait for some time. This is not just a small wait. This is a lengthy wait, and he's recognizing, my my heart is pounding. This is a difficult time in Habakkuk's life, and it's in here for us to understand what it takes to go through so much stress that your body feels like he's describing. And then he goes on, and this is called, though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the field produces no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. In other words, when everything seems fruitless and in decay, There's no food. There's no resource. My natural circumstances are beyond difficult and beyond hard. And my once prosperous and enjoyable life is but a distant memory. It's in the rearview mirror for Habakkuk. He recognizes two important keys that we must recognize as believers today as well. The first is this. I will wait patiently for the Lord. Who's good at this? Ange would say I'm very patient. God and his timing... And God in his ways will work my circumstances out. And my part is to remain faithful, knowing that faithfulness is always the seed for fruitfulness. I will wait, and while I'm waiting, I will not shrink back. Remember, God does not panic in our winter. He does not panic in our difficulties, but God knows that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. James 1 verse 4 says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We wait with faith and we wait with perseverance to allow God to work in us. I don't know how many of you need this, so that we may come to maturity. This is what it is to not waste a season. This is what it is to say to God, God, I don't just want to bunker down and miss what you want to do in in this difficult season. This is saying, God, I I need to be brought to maturity. The last six years of Andrew and I leading the church has been a huge part of God maturing us. We've had to walk through some tough seasons, and in the midst of it, God's saying, come on, I'm going to grow you up. I'm going to mature you for the future seasons that are to come. And I'm not a prophet of doom and gloom, but I would say this. We don't know if it's going to go back one day to getting better particularly for the church. We don't know. Will it get better? I don't know. But let's not waste the season we have now to be brought to maturity as the body of Christ, ready for whatever is to come in the future. Because there is an enemy who is puffed up and opposed to the church, and the world doesn't like the message that we have. So boy, we better let God mature us and raise us up to be able to stand our ground and not shrink back in the seasons that are still yet to come. I will wait patiently, and while I wait, I will let God do a work in me that I may stay mature. 
We wait with faith and we wait with perseverance to allow God to work us into maturity. The second key in Habakkuk is, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. In other words, regardless of what else is happening, I will rejoice in the Lord. COVID has disrupted church life, business life, travel plans. Heck, it's disrupted everything. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I have a challenging diagnosis. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. My finances are a real challenge right now. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. Life is really uncertain. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. God has not answered my prayers right now. In fact, my dreams feel like they're lying dormant. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I don't like the winter season. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I've been treated unjustly. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will trust Him and I will rejoice in Him. As the worship team comes back to join me. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he goes on to say it bears repeating. I'll say it again, rejoice. No matter what season you are in, regardless of what it feels like, my urgent encouragement to the church is rejoice in the Lord. And when I rejoice in the Lord, I remember the eternal. In fact, Habakkuk clarified in what he will rejoice in. He says, I will, be re- I will rejoice in God my Savior. He didn't say I'll rejoice in my poverty or my circumstances or my challenges of any type, but I will be joyful in God my Savior, remembering to look beyond the here and now circumstances to the eternal hope that we each have, thanks to Jesus. And if the church is going to survive the days ahead, and can I just take 30 more seconds before I pray to encourage us that I believe we are in a season of growing up as the church in the body of Christ, that I believe we are in a season where God is getting us ready. He hasn't promised it's going to get easier. And we're often, because we know Jesus and we understand what's, what God has done and all the promises of God, that God's just going to swoop in at some point and make life really easy. You know, God prioritizes people's salvation. And I just feel like he's saying, come on to the body of Christ. You are the best people, the best prepared to stand strong in the midst of the difficulty that's happening in my world today. And so there's the sense of God saying, I want to mature the body of Christ. And we're walking through a season now through this pandemic where we saw all kinds of responses. Some people have come back to church. Some people have just given up on faith. Some people have decided they'll just stay home and join church online. Some people have decided, yeah, I'll be part of the church, but I'm not part of the function of the church. There have been so many responses in this period of time, and each is personal and each is to be dealt with by God. But I would say God wants more than anything right now to mature his people. So come on, I'm going to build a strong church that's going to stand up with one message, with one voice, and declare who Jesus is. And at the moment, the church is a little bit lost in all kinds of topics. But we have to keep getting back to preaching about Christ and Christ crucified. In fact, the, the, the prophets, David and Greta Peters, prophets that we love and speak into our church regularly, said to Andrew and I, I want you to keep preaching eternity. The church has to get back to preaching eternity. Not just eternity, hey, good, we get to eternity, but hey, there are a lot of people that aren't right now. Let's not forget eternity and remember what, we've ha- what we each have because of Jesus. If you're able this morning, would you stand? Allow me the privilege of just praying with you. Thank you, Lord.
Lord, we thank you today for the knowledge that you are in control. Can I just encourage you now, if you reach out in responsiveness to the, the Spirit of God, this is not just the prayer that finishes the meeting, but this is a moment where we say, God, we want more than information. We want revelation and we need impartation. We need you, Holy Spirit, to do something in our hearts. And I don't just want this to be my prayer today. I want it to be your prayer that you can echo what, I, what I'm praying. Lord, thanks to Christ, we are convinced that nothing and no one can separate us from your love. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us in every single season that we face, regardless of what it is we walk through. You're with us in the incredible seasons of overwhelming fruitfulness, but you are also with us and working in us in the challenging seasons of life. Help us not to miss you at work when, in our lives when life is challenging. We again, whatever season we are in, we put our trust. We declare that today, that God, we put our trust in you. We rejoice in your unfailing love for us. We rejoice in the eternal hope we have because of Christ. We rejoice in the peace we have that goes beyond our earthly understanding. We rejoice in your grace and we rejoice in your mercy. We rejoice in the secure knowledge that heaven is our home. We rejoice in knowing you are working out your purposes in our lives and across our planet. We rejoice in knowing that you will bring to completion that which you started in our lives. And we choose to wait patiently and rejoice in you regardless of what we face. And Lord, for those today who are finding their season just so incredibly difficult, we just ask again, Holy Spirit, that you bring comfort and strength to endure in this time. Fill them afresh today with joy that brings them strength. And as they fix their eyes on you, I pray, and I pray this for all of us, that our hearts are filled to overflowing again with great hope. Holy Spirit, with the, right now, just a transaction of joy. We, we receive joy in our hearts again, despite what we're facing. Because our joy is not determined by our here and now, but by what Jesus Christ has done for us. And it becomes our strength. So Holy Spirit, would you release to those that need it right now, just a fresh deposit of joy in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.